It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm good with them going either way as long as we're playing our butts off. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 677 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, March the 9th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure that you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. The world could be gripped in the throes of blazes and flooding and stock market crashes and disease, but we will still be churning out daily local perspectives on all of your favorite sports teams, so please go and check out all the Locked On shows. It's uh, really, really great. If you're a Toronto sports fan, we got Locked On Blue Jays with AJ Andrews going right now. I'm sure lots of talk about uh, everyone's favorite beef castle, Nate Pearson, who's just mowing down people in spring like a monster, uh, so there's that. You also have Locked On Lease with Mike DeStefano, Mike DeStefano, that is, who uh, is covering that really disappointing and very, very easily hateable team. So make sure you go and listen to all the Locked On shows, including the Toronto ones. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Uh, All right, on today's show, the Toronto Raptors beat the Sacramento Kings 118-113 last night in a very fun game in Sacramento. It's moved to 3-1 on their Western road trip, and joining me to talk about the game is our pal Big V, Vivek Jacob. What's up, man? Nothing much. How are you doing? I'm good, man. It's been a busy week with them on the road and playing late and like lack of sleep and adjusting to, you know, writing sometimes, <laughs> which uh, has, right. been, has been new for me. But it's uh, it's been good, man. It's it's uh, I, I'm uh, I'm enjoying things. I'm enjoying the Raptors right now. Marcus Gasol's back, baby. There's nothing to be mad about. It's wonderful. No, you can't be mad about that. Yeah. Um, I, I was honestly a little bit surprised that they brought him back for this one. I thought. He'd rest against the Kings and then come back against Jazz. Um, but I don't know. Maybe with the minutes restriction, they feel fine playing him in both games, which I feel still is kind of weird um, on a back-to-back. But I'm sure they know a lot better than I do. So I'll let them make the decision. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think I've come to trust the Raptors medical staff enough by this point to... Uh not be too worried about the things they do and to kind of just buy in blindly because uh, why not? Um, It worked last year pretty damn well. And Gasol, yeah, he only played 16 minutes last night. They didn't bring him in outside of, I think, like 13 seconds just for rebounding purposes late in the game. Uh, He probably, I would imagine, has some gas in the tank to go tonight if he's available. Um, And the Raptors are going to need it because it required a whole lot of work from their starting five last night to get past the Kings. The bench did not offer much. We will talk about that today. Uh, We'll also talk about uh, a whole manner of different things. There's lots of stuff going on with this team right now that is pretty interesting. But we should begin the way we always do with our biggest takeaways from the game. Vivek, what was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' 45th win of the season? Well, because Norm's ridiculous scoring has just become the norm um that can't be my biggest takeaway so i'm gonna go with pascal siakam and the way he closed the game 
I thought that was really impressive. Uh, he had a couple of drives where he set up Norman Powell, then set up OG, um, and then his uh, that ridiculous three he hit that was super clutched in the drive. Uh, so yeah, really impressed with the way he closed this game. And these are the, sort of the, like the little signs that he's learning sort of how to be that next level player, right? And he he obviously didn't have a great game up to that point, but he also didn't really force the issue. You know, Norm had it going, Kyle had it going, and so he trusted them. And then when it came time to close, uh, he delivered. And I think that's that's a really encouraging sign, especially when you um, added to the way he closed out Golden State. Yeah, totally. I think that that three he made, which was just one of the most ludicrous examples of shot making I've seen in a very, very long time, <laughs> like since Kawhi, basically, uh, was it was it kind of kickstarted him a little bit. And you were right; it was not super good for him up to then. I think he started off like four for eleven or something from the field, uh, four for twelve, and it was uh, you know kind of the same way it was against the Warriors, just not like actively bad or anything like that just kind of incomplete and he again was sort of struggling I think with the the, when the three-point shot's not working how does he sort of balance it out and you know balance his aggression with just settling for for open looks that are there and so that, that definitely was there for the first 45 minutes of this game but the final few minutes I mean I talked about this on Thursday's podcast I think or, or Friday morning's podcast after the Warriors game like he he clearly I, I think a lot of what has gone on with Siakam and sort of his struggles lately has been, I think, by design, basically by the Raptors saying, all right, like, let's run it through you as much as possible and put all this on your plate. You're not going to be able to eat all the stuff on your plate, but let's see what you can get into. And I do think they're setting him up to succeed when they get to crunch time. They're not sort of force feeding him in you know all sorts of different situations. They're doing it in pretty tailored, you know, basically one play they run over and over again, which is having the pick, the, the point guard screen for him, and he just wreaks havoc with that. And, I mean, the the backcourt play they ran last night after calling the timeout, after almost getting the five-second violation, and then changing it up, having Kyle do the inbounding, and then, you know, having that that, that play where, where Kyle screen for him like 40 feet out. Um, you know, that that's the kind of stuff that Siakam's always going to thrive in, and I'm glad to see that they kind of – trim the fat with Siakam's usage when they get late in games and it's just like all right we know you're good you're good at this let's have you do this thing and he's really taking advantage of that and he's doing the thing that we know he's been always been able to do it's nice to see those like really tough off glass finishes coming back a little bit those were sort of the staple of his game last season and I think they've been a little bit wayward this year we haven't quite seen those like absurd weird angle shots going in from like you know four feet to the right of the basket or anything like that but we saw a couple of them last night and saw, I think, a couple against the Warriors as well. And his crunch time numbers, his crunch time, like, his just, he seems to have a nose for it, man. I, I don't know. It, it's tough to quantify. And I think his true shooting numbers are pretty much the exact same in, in crunch moments as they are over the course of regular games. At least they were last Thursday when I looked at them. Um, so maybe they've gone up a little bit. But, like, I don't know. Do you think there's something to be said for, like, some sort of unquantifiable closing Gene, that sounds so Skip Bayless-y, but I don't know. It seems like Siakam really does have that, where as much as he might struggle during a game, he can kind of nut up, as it were, when things get down. And that's the terrible phrasing for it. That's kind of what it is, where he's just like, all right, I know I'm good at this. I know I can score. I'm just going to do it now. Like, Do you think there's some element to that, like where you can just kind of turn that switch on? 
Well, I think a big part of that is, you know, the the wanting to be the guy and with the willingness to uh, be okay with the result, whichever way it turns out. And, you know, Nick Nurse has that, uh, had that great quote last night about how, hey, I, you know, we won the game, which is great, but if we lost, it would have been fine too. You know, the important thing is that uh, we're getting this experience in crunch time moments that we're uh, playing as hard as we can. We're, we're, we have teams challenging us to bring the intensity and all that. And that's how I look at it for Siakam. It's like, sure, he might fail. But, and he's, I think he recognizes that. But at the same time, he also recognizes that the only way he's going to become that elite level player is uh, by going through it over and over and seeing what different defenses are throwing at him and trying to, you know, go to different moves or, you know, just whatever, taking what the defense gives him, whatever it may be. Um, and then that sort of becomes practice, that becomes habit. Uh, and so those mental processes in late game situations become easier. Um, as far as like him having it, uh, I think he certainly has it against uh, the weaker teams. Um, I, I think if you look at the whole season uh, sample size, I, I think there are times where he's sort of deferred. Um, where you know maybe he hasn't got going early and then he sort of deferred late as well so uh that's that's a step in the process that he needs to take which you know which which is fine this is part of the process and uh you know I, I, the biggest thing for me is that he's going about it the right way that you know he, he at the end of the day you know you look at uh teams and the way they build it's like you got to learn to beat the bad teams first then you learn to beat the average teams and you move on up and so he's figuring it out against these weaker teams, and that'll help him figure it out against the average teams, the better teams, uh, the elite teams, uh, and, and he'll get there. I think he will. Yeah, I, I've said all along, this season is not the be-all, end-all of what Pascal Siakam is or will be. And I think really next year is when we'll kind of know, right? He'll take what sort of he struggled with this season and needs to work on in the off season, and I'm sure... We'll see him add a lot and work on things. And I think we've seen like the growth incrementally here recently. I mean, before a little bit of a stretch of downplay, he was really efficient for for a while there. It's not linear. It's up and down. And I will note the thing that's really got me excited is the assist numbers are creeping up a little bit. He's been around five uh, pretty much the last couple of weeks here. I think ever since that Charlotte game, five has kind of been his uh, his at least uh, his median score. Like he's 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 had it uh, or his mode. His mode is the one that happens. Mean median mode. Yeah, the mode the mode assist total. Uh, <laughs> math baby. <laughs> uh, like he's had five. I think like four or five times, and that is very nice. And I think speaks to what the Raptors are doing in terms of running the offense through him and putting him through those those sort of gauntlets. And he's doing a really good job. Like there seems to be pretty much instant offense anytime they post him up now and they send a double his way. He's good at diagnosing it. Um, he doesn't often turn it over in those situations. And he's been really good at just finding the open shooter or starting the, the swing that eventually goes to an open shooter and not forcing it. And that is all part of the learning process. And it's all very, very nice to see from Pascal Siakam, who, uh, Certified killer against, yeah, 
bad to mediocre teams, but uh, you know th- that'll grow. I'm sure. Um, it certainly helps that there are a lot of other very good players on this team to uh, <laughs> to, to help lift the boat when uh, things aren't going super well for Siakam during the run of a game. We'll talk about Kyle Lowry and Norm Powell in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about Indeed. When you start your hiring process, you may have some questions like, will you find good app- applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know if you've made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your shortlist of applicants fast and also add skills tests to your job posts so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their library of more than 50 skills tests range from industry-specific skills like accounting to general app tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at indeed.com slash locked on and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash locked on all one word terms, conditions, and exclusions apply offer valid through March 31st, 2020. I feel like maybe the Kings should be using indeed to find a new coach who will play the three point champion late in a game when they're down by three points with one possession to go. Uh, but that's just me. And also, I guess, the guy f- who got picked up on the Sacramento broadcast last night. Did you hear that? <laughs> no. Oh, so the Sacramento broadcast picked up a hot mic guy where he was like, Luke, you're an idiot! You're an idiot, Luke! You have the three-point champion! <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. It was always good to dunk on Luke Walton. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Um, and so on the topic of the late game there, I, I thought Nick Nurse, and you mentioned his comments uh, in the first segment of the show talking about Pascal, but I thought they were interesting comments just in general about the late game reps the Raptors have been getting in these close games where they're playing, you know, maybe down to their competition is the way to put it, or as Nurse put it, you know, kind of up to the con- like the other teams are playing up to the Raptors a little bit. Uh, let's just play the clip and I can stop guessing what he says. We'll play it and then on the other side we will talk about it. Yeah, I don't think, you know, there's really no reason to get rattled to be honest with you. I mean, we would love it that we won this game, but if we would have dropped it, not that, it's not that big a deal. You know, I mean, I'm like seriously, I'm like I'm like this is so good for us to be in these late games and these teams are playing awesome against us. It's great that we have to bring such a level of tenacity to match them. Um, and I, I think, you know, I'm I'm good with them going either way as long as we're playing our butts off. Yeah. You know, I think that's part of the part of the league and part of the thing. And and um, but to answer again, you're, the maturity of those guys is showing. Serge and Norm and those guys are more mature basketball players because their skills have improved and they should they should be confident in them. So that's Nurse talking about the need to, you know, like he's just happy to have those reps, right? And honestly, 
my it's fine thinking heart really really enjoys him saying it's not doesn't matter if we win or lose those games it's just nice to get the reps uh that's some 82 practices ass energy which i like um what do you think about that Uh, it's kind of interesting because at this point the race for the two seed very seems very very important and you would think that there would be a higher sort of premium placed on those wins by nurse but i i mean he's always kind of a big picture guy i suppose and now it's a three-game lead i suppose too so maybe it's less pressing but um i I don't know what do you think about him really sort of leaning into just like the reps being better than anything and do you like are there is there any concern for you i guess that they've been playing close games against maybe not so good teams like the kings or the warriors or the suns well i think with the Warriors, there was always going to be that excitement that Steph was back, and so I think that was always going to be a tough game to play. And then with the Kings, they've been playing better basketball lately. They've been trying to make a bit of a playoff push here. So I think teams are leveling up. I think there is definitely a case of, uh, we see it every team, uh, with, with every uh, champion team every season, right? That you know When the champs come to town, you bring a little extra because um, you're trying to get that win on your belt. So uh, yeah, I, I think in that sense, the other teams are bringing an intensity um, and a compete level that has pushed the Raptors to find a little extra. And I think that's encouraging because, let's face it, we saw the Bucks not face any adversity last season. And then when they finally, when it finally hit them in the conference finals, they had no way to respond. And so I think this season, when you look at having to deal with the injuries, that next man up mentality, getting through some of these close games and uh, Siakam finding a way to deliver in the crunch and uh, them finding these plays where, you know, Lowry is screening for Siakam, uh, Norman Powell is developing as a, as a late game option. So I, I, I think that's where you take the encouragement from. You sort of build out from there. Uh, and then, you know, Mark's going to have his playmaking as well. That'll help. So, yeah, overall, I think at this stage of the season, uh, it's more about you know the way the team is executing as opposed to the uh, opponent and the level of the opponent. So I, I'll take these close games and that experience going down the stretch for sure. Yeah, I also think like if I had another big takeaway from the game outside of the crunch time stuff for Pascal being really encouraging, I think this was the game that really sort of solidified that yeah, this is still probably a team with like a trusted seven plus whatever Patrick McCaw is. And it's going to be, I I think, difficult at this point for anyone who's not one of those eight guys to, you know, break into the rotation on more than just like a situational matchup type basis, just because those seven guys are so damn good. And I think once you get Fred Van Vliet back and once you sort of work on the playoff rotation, like I would imagine we're going to see, I think, maybe not right now because there's still, you know, 20 games left, but maybe in the final 10 or so, we'll see a tightening up of that seven or eight rotation. And maybe we see, you know, what other guys might fit in there. But, you know, the bench was really bad last night. And I thought the thing that was heartening to me, at least last night, was that the times in which they were bad, in which they went on like scoring droughts and things like that, were all when they had like three or four bench guys in. And it just, like, it made a lot of sense that they would struggle in those lineups when those guys weren't playing well. And Nurse talked about in his post game as well about those guys not really having any chance at playing good defense because their offense was so wretched that they were giving up transition opportunities time after time and just never even getting a chance to get set to do the thing they actually do well. And so I think as you sort of phase out those more heavy bench lineups and you get closer, closer to the playoffs, I think last night really solidified how freaking good 
that top seven is. And that gives me a lot of confidence in pretty much any series. You know, you, you go into a series against the Celtics and I, I thought last night in a weird way kind of showed a lot of the reasons why I think the Raptors are going to be a problem for the Celtics as good as Boston has been, although they're struggling a little bit like right now. They think they're five and five in the last 10 or something like that. But I think, you know, we saw a stretch last night where the Raptors went really big with uh, like their starters with Abaka in there. And I think they went with Norm at the two with Pascal at the three. And it was like, it was terrifying. It was really, really good for a stretch there defensively. You see them go small. We've seen it work for them going small. We've seen um, just like how good those top seven guys are and really any combination. And this is without even Fred Van Vliet being healthy right now. And I think that that seven is so reliable and trusted now that Norm has become this absolute monster that I just have a lot of confidence that this team is able to match depth and go pretty toe-to-toe talent-wise, maybe not like top-end talent necessarily, but like one through seven talent. I don't think there's a team with seven guys who can be this trusted as the Raptors have. And that was sort of the thing that I came away thinking from last night's game, which is, man, these guys are really good, and they all are just so steady. And when Kyle's playing like he did last night, I mean, holy shit, that was... Like a really quietly incredible Kyle game. He had 13 points in the fourth quarter. He was on five fouls for, I think, all of the fourth quarter and was just smart and avoided them and avoided a uh, game three against the Bucks situation where he fouled out with like eight minutes left. That was nice. Um, I, I just, I was really impressed by sort of the, the trusted guys. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I guess that leads into the question of of the bench guys and, you know, what those eight through 15 spots look like, or they're never going to go 15 deep, but eight through eight through 12. I have differing opinions and my, my feelings kind of fluctuate game to game on all of these guys because they fluctuate game to game. And I don't really know what to make out of all of them. Um, I think Patrick McCaw is the one who I think is most trusted by nurse for some reason, but is also the one who I think has the most obvious and consistent impact on uh, giving up points to the other team. I think he was a minus 17 last night in a game that won by five points. Um, That's not very good. He was pretty bad against the Warriors as well in plus minus, and that doesn't tell everything, but when it's a consistent trend, I think it does say something a little bit. And then, you know, Terrence Davis is kind of going through it. Last night was one of his worst games. He was, you know, really sort of jittery and all over the place, and Nurse seemed pretty dumb with that experiment pretty early on. Uh, you know, Rondé had his typical three or four falls per minute <laughs> stat line, um, and Boucher didn't even get in. Matt Thomas looked pretty uncomfortable. Where are you at right now with that second unit and, you know, not not even the second unit, it's sort of like the depths of the second unit, the, the bench pieces that'll fill out the second units. Like, if you could, like, power rank those five guys that is listed off based on how much you trust them and want to see them in the playoff rotation, how would that look for you right now? And does that also change for you the way it does for me every single day? Uh, yeah, so before I hit on the bench, guys, I just want to touch on the thing you had mentioned about the seating and nurse uh, sort of being comfortable. Yeah, sorry, um, I, I rambled a very long time there. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Uh, I think it also speaks to the confidence that they feel as a group about going on the road. Uh, and I think 
for them, they say, hey, if it's the three seed, we're fine with going to Boston for that extra game if it comes down to it. And if it's the two seed, great, we'll take them to home court. But I think it really speaks to the confidence that they have in terms of going on the road. Uh, we've seen it all season. We saw it uh, through the playoffs last year that they really don't get phased by a hostile environment and they feel very comfortable in it. And so um, I, I don't think uh, the seeding is as big of a deal to them as it may be to everyone else on the, on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as the bench rotation is concerned, uh, I do think ideally, you know, you, you want uh, Terrence Davis and Rondé Hollis Jefferson to figure it out. I think th- those are the two guys I look at and say, you know, they can be meaningful contributors in the postseason at their best. Uh, but the one thing I've been thinking about with Terrence Davis is, uh, at least in terms of how Nick Nurse views him versus Patrick McCaw, is that uh, article that uh, Zach Lowe wrote about uh, after the All-Star game. I I think he mentioned it in his 10 things about the way Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry played in that fourth quarter and how those are two guys that coaches don't have to spend any amount of time wondering about you know whether they're going to make a mistake or you know that they might do something wrong and even with the players around them the the one person you don't have to worry about on the uh, on the court screwing up is Kyle Lowry right and so I think the way Nick Nurse views Terrence Davis is just there's just a lot of tension for him with in terms of his decision making offensively in terms of the mistakes defensively and so I think that's why he's almost trying to like stamp that out of Terrence's system by playing McCaw. Um, and yeah, so I, I think with Terrence, it's, it's just a lot of that and figuring that out. And, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't come this quickly and it's going to take more time. But yeah, ideally, it'll be him uh, and Rondé that figure into the playoff rotation. I think Rondé is a really solid defender, can play multiple positions. I think that's valuable. And, you know, when everyone's healthy, I think it becomes a bit more feasible for him to be on the court. I've mentioned before about how Serge Ibaka's three-point shooting uh, in those bench units could sort of facilitate Rondé being the one inside and Serge being the one outside and sort of spacing it that way. Uh, But, yeah, the the last few games have been a struggle for him, no doubt. Uh, And then... Yeah, I, I don't. I really don't think we're going to see much of Matt Thomas, much of Chris Boucher, uh, if if this team is fully healthy. Uh, am I missing anyone? I think we've touched on everyone there, right? Malcolm Miller says you're missing him. <laughs> Poor Malcolm Miller. I mean, I'm not. If I was missing him, I would have said something. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, you know the uh, the Davis thing. Yeah, I think it's probably. Smart as much as he's been excellent, and the advanced metrics paint him as one of the best rookies. I do think it's smart to sort of temper expectations a little bit. I mean, think back to like Pascal's rookie season and how much of like a it's like jitter buggy fouling monster he was. <laughs> like he he was yeah. really prolific at fouls, and he was just sort of erratic and all over the place. And that's what you expect from rookies. I think we've kind of been conditioned watching this team that we just kind of expect young players to figure it out quickly, but it doesn't happen in the rookie seasons for these guys all the time. You know, OG, I think is like the real exception. Even Fred Van Vliet wasn't doing much in his rookie season. He was just kind of a bit part. And I think it's smart to 
temper those expectations a little bit just so you're not running away with what you think Terrence Davis can provide. Like, do I think Terrence Davis could swing a playoff game just by coming in off the bench and, like, having that unconscious attitude and, you know, hitting four threes in five minutes? Yeah, I totally do. I'm not sure how often he's going to get that chance just because I'm not sure he's earned that much trust. But, you know, Nurse, as, as we've talked about all season long, is not afraid to, you know, look look bad. He's not afraid to make a mistake. And I don't think he's afraid to at least give a guy a shot. It's just making it so it's not just sort of like a break glass case of emergency type thing that I, I think we would like to see, but maybe not. Uh, maybe it's not feasible for Terrence Davis in his rookie season. Although, again, the bar of Patrick McCaw is not terribly high to clear, and so you would hope that he could do that. Um, where I mean, we've talked about McCaw a lot. I think everyone's kind of blue in the face talking about McCaw. I, now we're getting into like theories and conspiracy theories that Nurse is using him to purposely get the Raptors into close games so they can work on their crunch time sets. That's uh, I'm ready to believe it because <laughs> not much else makes a whole lot of sense. And that is honestly kind of a cooler thing to think about. And that would be extremely badass and another feather in the cap of a Nick Nurse uh, coach of the year case, I think, maybe. Or maybe it works against it. I don't know. I guess it depends on your point of view on Patrick McCaw and, uh, and, and the value of playing close games on account of him. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a combination of his belief in him, uh, along with sort of his lack of trust in other guys. Um, you know, again, why that is, I don't know. I I've reached a point where I've stopped trying to figure it out. It, it is puzzling, you know, that Terrence has such a short leash. But I don't know. Maybe maybe that is his sort of tough love in terms of believing so much in him that. You know, he just wants him to get there ASAP and punishes him for every mistake. Whereas with McCaw, I think he sort of has someone that, you know, he, there's not too much he can expect from. And so that bar is kind of low every single time he's out there. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, I, I feel like we've beaten this topic to death. I don't really know what more to say about it. Um, you'd like it to stop, but I don't think it's going to. <laughs> it's a nice... Uh... Way to think about the world and all the bad things going on in them now. <laughs> I would like them to stop, but I don't think yeah. they're going to. Um, this podcast is going to stop now. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, dude. Thanks so much for coming on for Big V Monday. It's always great to have you. And uh, you. we will have you covered all throughout the week. Of course, the Raptors take on the Utah Jazz tonight. So we will recap that tomorrow for sure. Um, we will have plenty of stuff throughout the week. Katie will stop by, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, there's a few days off, so maybe we can have some fun. Maybe I'll play some of the old pa- Patreon episodes. Maybe we can do some history, historical deep dive stuff uh, over the next few days here as we uh, enjoy a bit of a relaxing week after the late nights of the last 10 days or so. Um, you can find uh, – or where can we find your stuff, dude? I forgot to have you plug stuff. Plug stuff, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Jacob. I should have something – uh, out for Sportsnet this week, and something more prescriptive on Pascal Siakam. You know, we keep saying, "Oh, uh, you know, it's mental, and he just figures it out." And but I'm gonna dive into like specifics uh, that he can do to improve, whether that's going into the postseason, whether that's the lessons he can sort of take into next season. Um, and besides that, uh, I'll have my usual Raptors Republic stuff, and it yeah, may be some stuff for Complex. We'll see. Right on, man. Uh, 
You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. That's always very, very much appreciated. Go to Raptors.com. I am uh, writing stuff over there. I wrote a piece last week about John Thomas. I spoke to him, former Raptors fifth-string big man, who was lovely to speak to. And then on Sunday, I wrote a piece about the women of Raptors 905 and uh, the very awesome environment of inclusion they have going on at the Raptors G League, G League affiliate and the Raptors as a whole. It's a pretty cool story from lots of lots of great perspectives from uh, some wonderful, wonderful people who are doing some great work with the 905. So make sure you're checking that out at Raptors.com, or I guess this is at Raptors905.com if I'm not mistaken, so go check that one out. Um, and uh, yeah, that is going to do it. Now go tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On Blue Jays. Have a great day, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.